Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Rocket podcast. Today I am joined by Rob, Team LRF. Hi Rob. How you doing, honey? You alright? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. So, um, no surprise to people listening to the podcast, obviously, when we're talking about Mastermind, the professionals and uh, the best coaches in the UK, obviously, Rob had to be on the list um, because I'm going to read out the bio because I think it's pretty phenomenal. Um, 17 IFBB pros, over 500 uh, non-competitive transformations and over 500 show wins, which is, well, and Olympians as well. So not just IFBB pros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a it's been a good journey so far. We're not finished yet, but it's yeah, it's been a good journey so far. So um yeah, as it is mastermind the professionals, I'm gonna start with a little bit of a bio so we can learn a little bit about you. So your age, your location, as in where you're based, and uh, your duration as a coach. How old do you think I am? I think we're about the same age, Rob. What, 25, 26? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're between 32 and 35. 32. I'll be 33 in a couple of weeks' time. Good See, day. when you shave, that, like, uh, you, maybe uh, you drop a couple years. 100%, because if I don't shave, I just look like an absolute tramp. So I've seen that full-on beard. It's a lot. <laughs> it was only during lockdown. Like, to be fair, it was only... Not, not that I can justify it at all, but <laughs> it was only during lockdown that I let it get that crazy. <laughs> So, yeah, so, sorry, age 32. What was the other one? Sorry, Hannah. Where you're based? Ashford in Kent. And your duration as a coach? 11 years now. Deep into it then. Yeah, yeah. 11 years, but probably properly for maybe seven. Like, I, I worked a full-time job until the age of, like, 24, 25. I was, I was fully employed by somebody um completely separate to the fitness industry actually i worked for public health england um which has been in the news a lot recently because of covid and stuff but um yeah i worked for public health england until yeah until i was 24 25 i did not know that yeah learn something new every day exactly um and i think it's no secret to the people that follow you and that um kind of follow your athletes as well but that you i would say you kind of favor working with in the bikini category of bikini athletes and also with physique competitors. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but that surprisingly, it actually wasn't always the case. So there was a long time where I actually didn't prep any bikini athletes. So before, before Phoebe came to me, actually, um, I, I actually stopped prepping bikini athletes. So when the UK BFF was around, um, I was doing mostly bodybuilders uh, and figure athletes. And I had a few bikini girls, but they would rock up one week and, and win. And then the next week they come last. And then a the week after that, they'd come fifth. And it just racked my brains like for, for years. So I actually put out a post and messaged all my athletes and said, anybody who's doing bikini, I recommend that you go to coaches A, B and C because I no longer am going to prep bikini athletes. So for like the, probably the first half of my career, I actually never worked with bikini athletes. It was only when um, Phoebe started working with me that, I then got known to work with bikini athletes. And that was also when the crossover in federations happened as well. So that's that's when I started working with bikini athletes. But until that point, it was it was mainly bodybuilders, actually. It was mainly bodybuilders and figure girls as well. So what flipped that for you? So the, the criteria became a lot clearer. Like the girls that were, were winning carried on winning. And the girls who were placing like last were, were 
usually told, oh, you're too lean, you're too muscular uh, for bikini at that time. Um, but then I, then the week after, like a random lean, bigger girl would win. So I couldn't, I couldn't get my head around the criteria. And I didn't know whether it was me. I, I, I'm a person, you, you know me, Hannah, as well, through Complete mm. I'm a person who always thinks internally, about, is it my fault? Is, mm. Am I doing something wrong here? So I was thinking, well, I must be doing something wrong to prep somebody who wins and then a week later, somebody who doesn't place and then a week later, somebody who finishes three out of four, for example. So I was like, man, I must be doing something wrong. So to give the athletes the best experience and to give them the best chance of winning, I said, go and prep with other people who seem to be doing quite well at the time. And a lot of those coaches have actually gone now. It was things like Showgirl Fitness were doing really, really well at the time. You know, if people who have had a long enough lifespan in the sport will remember Showgirl Fitness. Um, so Shogo Fitness was like the top bikini prep company at the time. Uh, the guys from Panthers Gym were doing really, really well. So I was like, go and prep with those guys. I'm, mm. I'm all about winning and I want you to get the best experience. So the, the best experience for you would be to go and prep with those guys and just go and win. Because mm. you've got all the tools, so just go over there. And at the time, I only had like 10 or 12 bikini girls, but I gave them all up to, to those other companies. Um, and they ended up doing quite well. And then what happened was that the... the the UK BFF lost affiliation with the Pro League. Um, a new federation came around called Two Bros. And the criteria was very black and white then. Mm. So it was easy for me. Not easy, I, I say that lightly. It was clearer for me what they wanted. So I started prepping girls like they wanted. And, and for example, like in the first year, Phoebe turned pro, Zomira turned pro, Barbara turned pro. Like all these girls who were doing reasonably well anyway, started now to pick up pro cards because the criteria was so clear. I was like, well, I know, I know what we need to do now. So mm. yes, I'm available to prep bikini. I never advertised for it, but I was like, yes, I'm available to prep bikini girls now. Phoebe went on as a junior, I think she was 22 and took the overall, the biggest European show there was. Mm. And then went on, did the pro show and come second to the pro show the next day. Mm. And that sort of made then the bikini girls look and think, well, did, does LRF now do bikini girls? Because if so, this is the sort of results that I want. Mm. So that was the sort of flip, the, the, the switch as such that, the, the Pro League was taken away from the UK BFF, given to another federation. And the criteria for me then became very clear. And I was like, well, I know what's needed now so I can get people into that criteria for sure. Do you think that's still the case? Mm, I'm not like, I'm not one to bash federations, but th there is a difference most certainly between PCA and Two Bros. There is most certainly a difference between Two Bros and European shows. Mm -hmm. Like there is a difference each time. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Obviously, PCA and uh, the two bros are two completely different federations. Mm -hmm. We do well in both of them, but because they have clear criteria. So that, that's the thing. Like, it's not, it's not right or wrong that, that there's a difference. It's knowing what the criteria is and then prepping towards that criteria. Because, again, for example, like if I'm prepping somebody for a PCA show, I know that I've got to work their back a little bit more. I know that I've got to give them a slightly better taper. If somebody's not interested in doing PCA, I'm going to give like a bikini girl, for example, minimal back work because your mm -hmm. back's never showing off, unfortunately, because your hair's always down. So it's understanding that and then working with the criteria. But there is definitely a difference between PCA and two bros. And there most definitely is a difference between competing on the two bro stage and competing on a European stage as well. Mm. I think that would be quite an interesting insight for a lot of people as well, because I think a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, oh, but. Rob, Rob gets the, the bikini girls in first and second and third. So if Rob says it, that's what I'm going to do. A hundred percent. Like, if, like for example, you look at girl, the girl that won yesterday or the day before um, at the Scandinavian show. Yes. Incredible physique. Yeah, Absolutely unbelievable. Awesome. Like, mm. So good. Like, 
if you were to write a bikini criteria, you'd probably write something very, very similar to that. Yeah. But I think if she competed in the UK, she'd be told she's too lean. I think if she competed in a UK show at a regional level, she would be told she's too lean. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's where things differ. So when I'm, for example, if I'm prepping, because I've had bikini girls turn pro over in Europe. I've had, like, for example, Phoebe turn pro over in Europe. Zomira turn pro over in the UK. Milena mm-hmm. um, turn pro in the UK. So there's been a difference. But what I'm doing, if I'm prepping a girl for a European show, I'm going to bring them in a little bit tighter. I'm going to bring mm-hmm. them in a little bit harder. If I'm prepping a girl for a UK show, I'm probably going to maybe give them like what I would look at as like a two-week outlook. So they're right. a little bit softer. So they, they've got a little bit more pop, but they're not as hard or as dry in certain areas like their midsection and the glutes and hamstring tie-in. So, but again, it's, it, it's horses for courses. And like, I think that unless you go to a show and physically watch lots and lots of shows, you don't understand that. Mm. And I think that's where some people, again, like go wrong in terms of a, um, not go wrong, but maybe just don't understand as much maybe what I understand because I've been and done this many times and I've traveled all around the world and seen it. So for example, if, if a, a coach maybe who hasn't been to a European show is prepping an athlete, they might prep them with a UK style look. And I can guarantee you that look will be a hell of a lot softer than a lot of the other European girls. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, the girl that won yesterday, I can't remember her name now, but yeah, she was absolutely phenomenal um, but a very very different look than we've seen in the last couple of shows in mm. the UK with with two rows yeah for sure, for sure. even those I'm... two shows have been quite differing in their placings as well so, so different as well mm. like so so different but I, I, I digress massively so if I ever do go off track just rein me back in and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up that's okay but the, kind of speaking on that then and thinking about the changes throughout uh, your career with regards to not only the athletes that you've prepped um but the changes in federation and the types of uh, physiques that you've had to bring what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned since you started coaching in, in terms of a physique like what do I bring people in like no as in how do you perceive that if someone was to ask you generally since you started coaching looking back and thinking that taught me a lot there were like just going to shows like is so important. And, and, and I know coaches are starting to do that more. Like four or five years ago, there was barely any coaches at shows. There was myself, Eddie, who I'm not even sure is about anymore, but myself, Eddie. And those are generally like, honestly, like the only two coaches that you would see at shows. Um, a lot of everything else was done online and done by WhatsApp and so on and so forth. But now you've got more and more coaches going to shows. So it's great that, the guys and girls who are coaching, who are going to shows, sorry, just had a pop up, who are going to shows are now able to physically see this is what they're looking for. Mm. This is what they're looking for. And okay, yeah, like, like we said earlier on in the conversation, it is differing a little bit from show to show and week to week. But at least you get the general gist of what people are looking for. Mm. So one, one of the biggest lessons that I had was going to shows and actually sitting there and looking at it as a tutorial, right? What do they want for figure? What does the figure winner look like? Okay, she's got lines in her legs, but they're not too deep. When she turns to the rear, I can see the adductors, but there's no serration in the glutes. Okay, cool. That's what they're looking for. When I'm looking at bikini athletes and I'm going abroad and looking at bikini athletes, I can see these girls hard. They've got big cap shoulders. They're vascular. They're very lean. They're poppy. Okay, if I bring that over to UK, when I sit in the UK crowd, I'm saying, well, actually, these girls are a little bit softer. 
So I know now what I need to bring for these shows. And that's probably the biggest lesson that I, I, I could teach anybody in terms of a young prep coach is go to shows, soak it up, speak to the judges as well. You know, the judges are human beings. Like if you go up to them and said, hey, mate, why did that person win and that person finish second? I don't prep either of them, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young prep coach. I'm just interested in to see what your opinion is as a judge. They'll give you a, a, an answer, you know. So there's nothing wrong with going out there and saying, you know what, I'm going to put myself out there a little bit. I'm going to ask these judges. I'm going to speak to these judges. I'm going to speak to Rob. I'm going to speak to the other guys who are doing well. What, what are you looking for in bikini athletes? What are you looking for in men's physique? Why do you think that bodybuilder beat that person? And if it's, an, if it's a genuine question and you're not just being a dick and, well, mm. well, mate, second, so why do you think you finished second? Mm. If you're asking a genuine question, then all of these people will always help you. So, yeah, going to shows, soaking it up, and just getting some feedback from people who actually know what they're talking about is a valuable lesson, like a priceless lesson. Mm. Would you say that would be the sort of thing you would tell your younger self? I did it. The thing is, I did it. Like, I, I did it and I went to all the shows. Um, if, if I were to learn a lesson from being younger, like I've said it before, like a lot of people dislike me because of the way I was a few years ago. And the way I was a few years ago is I'm, I'm a straight talking person, but I was... I was a dick a few years ago. I was, I was beyond straight talking. Like I would be rude. I would, I would say things that were out of turn. Now, now, if you see me at the shows, I cheer for my athletes. And other than that, I stand at the side. Like I stand at the side and I don't make myself busy. But a few years ago, when I was younger and I was full of testosterone, I would, I would more than happily tell you my opinion, even if you didn't ask for it. Mm. And a lot of people judge me on that. And I, I completely understand. There, there's a girl that we both know. I won't name her, who very strongly dislikes me. And I, I went up to her a few weeks ago and I said, listen, I'm really sorry for whatever I did a few years ago. Like, hope we can, like, just say hello and not be rude to each other. But if you can't, then I completely understand that as well because I was a right dick back then. And I understand that. So my, my biggest lesson to myself would be a lot of the times keep my opinion to myself and maybe don't fill yourself up with testosterone and feel like you can take on the world. Because that's what <laughs> happened, really. I, you know, at the time I was a bodybuilder, I was a competitive bodybuilder and, and I was ignorant and arrogant. And, mm. and a lot of people didn't like me because of that. And I still know to this day that some people won't prep with me because of the person that I was a few years ago. Um, but yeah, that's probably the biggest lesson that I would teach myself. It's, it's not even a competitive lesson. It's just a personal lesson that I've learned through the years and through working with other people, through working on myself. It's, uh, yeah, it's a hard lesson to learn, but at least I can reflect on it now. Mm. Do you think it's fair to say that, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but arrogance comes with being a good coach? I, I had, again, like I have, I still speak to the majority of other coaches. There's a couple of other coaches who I don't get on with, um, but that, that's just, just a different, different opinion. Yeah. But I said to a coach before, I said, if you don't think you're the best, then none of your clients will think you're the best. Mm -hmm. And that is genuinely not only as a, a mindset that I have, it's a mindset that I take towards the clients when they're going on stage. Like, if you don't think you're going to step on stage and win, then you might as well turn around and go home now. Because that's going to show on stage. If there's a girl standing in front of you and you think, fuck me, that girl looks, can I swear? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but if you, if you stand, if there's someone standing in front of you and you think, fuck me, that person's going to smoke me when I get on stage, that will show on stage. Yeah. That will show on stage. And the thing is, it's not, it's not like it does borderline arrogance, but it's also confidence. Like I'm confident in prepping athletes now. I'm confident that I know that the majority of people that I prep will go and do very well. Mm. So I'm confident in that respect. Maybe a few years ago, it was arrogance. And again, completely hold my hands up to that. It was arrogance a few years ago. But now it's a confidence thing that if I know that I'm prepping somebody, I know that they're going to do very well. 
And same as like, again, I hear the same with sometimes about some of the LRF athletes, but I'm trying to portray to them, you have to think that you're a winner. Because if you don't think you're a winner, then you will lose. Regardless of how good you look, you might have the best physique on stage, but it will show that you don't deserve to win. It show that you don't think you should win. And if you don't think you should win, you probably shouldn't win. So that's sort of where that mindset comes from. I think that's a very good point to say because it, it does come through. It comes through in your confidence on stage. It comes through in your posing, whether you're male, female, doesn't matter what category you're in. Um, you have to go on there and believe that you are going to collect your medal, not fight for it. 100%. Um, yeah. 100%. yeah. And on that note of kind of who you've prepped and things like that, do you have like a favorite category or is it just it depends on the person and the relationship that you have with them? I really like the wellness category at the minute. Like I think it's a, such a good class. I think it's it's a, a, an ever-growing class. Um, and You've I, had I really, a lot of success with the wellness category as well, haven't you? But I, I, think it, I think it comes down to the fact that I really like that category. Like there isn't like... I, not, I don't dislike bodybuilding anymore. I know I'm just not the best prep coach of bodybuilding. So I don't prep bodybuilders anymore. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't do something where I didn't think I could be the best. And again, that borderlines arrogance and confidence, doesn't it? But I wouldn't do something where I wouldn't be the best. So if a bodybuilder comes to me these days and says, Rob, can you prep me? There's a couple of bodybuilders in the gym. I'm like, absolutely not. Here are some people's names and numbers. Go and speak to these guys. These guys are very, very good. Mm. But in terms of a class that I really enjoy at the moment, I'm really enjoying the wellness class because I think it's such a, like the look is crazy, man. Like when, when the look is right, like the look is so good, man. Like I, I love that look. Um, but I, again, I, I also really like the bikini class. I, I really like the figure class. Men's physique, I'll be honest, I don't, like I like prepping for it, but I, I don't overly like the look. Like I don't overly like the fact that they wear shorts. I don't overly like that. Maybe because of my bodybuilding background and the fact mm -hmm. that, were taught to smash legs over and over and over. Like a lot of these guys do smash legs actually as well. Um, but it's the fact that they're wearing shorts and they're hiding part of their physique. Like I'm not a massive fan of that class. I don't mind prepping for it um, and prepping guys for it. And again, we do reasonably well in that class, but it's not a it's not a it's not something that I'm like, yeah, great man. Like I can't wait to go and watch men's physique. Yeah. I am like, I can't wait to go and watch wellness. I can't wait to go and watch figure. I can't wait to go and watch bikini. Mm. But in terms of like, I can't wait to go and watch it. I don't get that from men's physique stuff. Even though, as I said, I have a, a fair crop, a good crop of men's physique athletes. I've got two guys doing the pro show, the Arnold's in men's physique, which I'm excited for that about, but more for watching them than watching the class, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Um, and if you could prep anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? It's going to be a really crap answer, but I, I, like, and, and very, very cliche, like I'm quite happy with the clients I've got. Like, like this, genuinely, I'm quite happy with the clients, clients that I've got. Like, the two most elite people that I've ever prepped is Rhea and Phoebe. Like, mm -hmm. Rhea and Phoebe, unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like, Rhea went from not placing at a show to placing top 13 at the Olympia in three years. Yeah. In three years, in three seasons, she's gone from somebody who didn't actually place at a regional show and then went to the Olympia. And now, one day, without a doubt, she'll be Miss Olympia. Without a doubt. Yeah. With, yeah. with her dedication and her attitude and her genetics, she's going to be Miss Olympia. And the same as Phoebe, you know, I prepped Phoebe. She'd, she'd never been British champion as far as I can remember. I think she was placing that third or fourth and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and, and then she turned that physique into not only a pro-level physique, but somebody who's missed out on the Olympia by one point for a couple of seasons in a row. In her rookie yeah. season, 
in her rookie season, she missed out on the Olympia by one point. Yeah. And, and the only reason she did is because she didn't start her rookie season till June because she didn't turn pro till June. So the show's in March, April, May. She never had a chance to compete in at the pro level, but she turned pro in June, done so many back-to-back shows, second, first, third, da 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 da, da collected all those points and ended up missing by one point. So mm. those two girls are really, really fun to prep, uh, really, really fun to prep because they were just like genetic elite. And also they had the work ethic also to back it back up as well. So mm. they were two great girls to prep. But in terms of like right now, like I'm, I'm so happy with the crop of clients that I've got. Like I'm so happy with the guys and girls that I've got. Like I'm, I'm quite content in just saying, yeah, you know what? Like I'm good where I'm at. Alive or dead, just, just a lot that you've got now. That's got that's saying you've got a great team, surely. Then yeah, like the, the team. Like I've never, I've never had a better team than like, and I've been doing this a long time. I've never had a better prop of athletes than what I have now. Not not in terms of their genetic ability, but in terms of their work ethic. In terms mm-hmm. of the way that they check in on time, the way that they're disciplined. Like, and that's. That's come through time and it's come through reputation as well. Um, but now I've got a, a group of clients who are never late with check-ins, who never miss a meal, who never, who never do anything out of line. I don't know whether that's because they are, are scared or I don't know whether that's because they're truly, truly disciplined. Maybe it's a bit of both. Mm. Um, but at the minute, like I have a very, very easy life as a coach because I haven't got to be chasing people. Hey, where's your check-in? Have you checked in on time? where's your pictures like they're there seven o'clock in the morning bang they're there so like i just don't have that sort of like naggy client at the moment i just have a very very good proper client do you think that's because the types of people that come to you as you're known for turning people pro do you think that's because they are potentially more serious about it than maybe someone that would miss a bit of cardio or be late for check-in or have a little extra something that not supposed to have because they haven't got that mindset because they've come to you for a purpose do you think maybe that's part of it yeah I I do think so yeah like I I, I do completely agree with that but I also still get a lot of first timers come to me so like this year alone like people like Crystal were a first timer Adam's been a first timer and they've all done very very well but what I've tried to install in them from the very very start is every one percent counts and again, I've learned that the hard way as well, because when I have been a little bit lenient as a coach and said, it's okay, like, come on, like, just get your head up. Let's keep going again. Da, 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 da. Like, it doesn't seem to work because when you give people an inch, they take a mile. Mm-hmm. So being a very, very strict and firm coach from the start, even as a first timer, people are like, okay, right, this, this, mean, this means business. Like, this means business. And the thing is, I'm not a cheap coach either. So I think pe- when people are willing to pay a, a premium, they're also willing to give a premium back as well, whether they're first time at intermediate or advanced. Mm. Uh, but they seem to sort of just want it a bit more because they're paying a little bit more. And that, that's one of the things that I talk about quite a lot is that if you're, if you're paying 80 quid a month, then you're probably going to give that much effort. Mm. Uh, and if you're, if you're paying a couple of hundred pounds a month, you're probably going to give that much effort as well because you know I ain't got a couple of hundred pounds a month spare. I'm doing this for a reason and I, and I want to really take this seriously. So, yeah, I, I think, yes, I agree completely with, with what you said. And I also think that there is a bit of my buy-in from them early on saying, right, you ha- you cannot miss 1%. Because if you do, people are 2% ahead of you. Mm. Uh, so there is that little bit of that as well. And how do you, I know it, you've just said it doesn't happen often, but how do you deal with someone or something if someone was to slip up or to go off piste and they go to you like, Rob, like, I know that, like, say they've checked in and their weight's fine. Like they've not put on, but they've not dropped. And they go to you, do you know what? Like, I'm pleased with my check-in, but 
I did fuck up the other day. I had something I shouldn't, or I missed my cardio because I was so tired. How do you deal with that? What's your response to them? Generally, I'll pick up the phone and call them. Like I, I'm, I'm very proactive in that respect. Like I'll pick up the phone, I'll call them and say, right, what happened? Like, did, was it something that triggered this? Like what triggered it? What do you think it was? If it's just generally the fact that right, they're tired, maybe they're at the back end of prep, and possibly, they, again, a lot of the, as humans, we're really poor at communicating and we're really poor to say we're struggling. So a lot of the time when you pick up the phone, they say, man, I've been struggling for the last three or four weeks. I just haven't told you. Da-da-da-da. And that's generally what happens. Like people don't just, what I've found is they don't just cheat. They don't just, oh shit, I'm going to cheat today. It's an accumulative effect. I feel like cheating. I feel a bit more like cheating. I feel even more like cheating. Okay, I've cheated on the diet. That's just generally how I found things go. It's an accumulative effect. I don't know if you feel the same, mm. but it is a cumulative effect. So all I will say is next time, listen, when that urge comes, let me know at the earliest possible opportunity because we can back you off. We can take you down a little bit from that cardio. We can add in some pre-bed oats. And yeah, it's not a chocolate bar, but you might still be able to enjoy that extra food. And then tomorrow I say, you know what? I'm good to go now. Because what happens, people generally just don't fall off the cliff. They'll they'll be walking closer to that cliff, walking closer to it, walking closer to it, and then they'll fall off. Mm-hmm. So I'll just generally pick up the phone to that person and say, hey, listen, this is the standard that I expect. What's happened? Okay, yeah, I've been feeling like this for three or four days. Just let me know next time. Oh, I was scared to let you know. Da, 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 da. Listen, I'll get back to you. We'll sort something out. We'll get it sorted. But that conversation, honestly, only happens once. If it happens again and again and again, then that person has to go. Because that person is not only a representation of themselves, they're also a representation of me. Yes. And when they get on stage and they wear my logo and they're wearing my shirt on the day of the show and da, 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 and they get up and if they're fat, then everybody around them thinks that's the standard of LRF. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to prep with that person. So one bad client, in essence, could lose me 10 clients that are at that show. Mm-hmm. So I, I will have that conversation once and I'll have the conversation once only and after that, it will be a very, very close call whether you'll get, you get kicked off or maybe we push the show back a little bit. And a question that was inspired, actually, by you, and which I'm asking everyone that comes on this series, is about the funniest excuse they've ever had from for someone deviating from their plan. Now, I can think of one that was very well known that happened with one of your clients a few years ago and some peanut butter and sleepwalking. Yeah, yeah, that- that like, like that. That was probably the best one. Um, like one of the ones that I had probably about a year ago was was like someone was like, "Oh, I forgot to do cardio this week." And like my response was like, "What did you miss the treadmill? Like when you walk past the treadmill, I can't understand. Like you know, like how could you miss cardio all week?" Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no. There's there's always a like there's always a oh yeah, but this happened and yeah, but this happened and da 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 and yeah, like. There are loads, but that, that's the one that stands out in my mind that, you know, the sleepwalking incident. And mm. yeah, so, um, but no, I've not, yeah, I've not had any, any funny ones for a while. Uh, I have the odd funny checking, but not, not, any, uh, not any bad excuses recently, to be honest. They've been all right. Do you find that um, on the whole, clients adhere to plans more, or your clients, I should say, adhere to their plans more in their off season or in their prep? For me, like adherence relates to someone's goal. Like all the time, you have to remember that. Like if your goal is, I want to be an IFBB pro and I want to go to the Olympia, I expect adherence year round mm-hmm. because you have to act towards your goal. You can't say, I want to be an IFBB pro, I want to go to the Olympia, but in my off season, three days a week, I'm going to go have a cheat meal. 
Mm-hmm. Because then your actions are not reflecting your goal. Mm-hmm. So if, for example, you are somebody who just likes competing, and I have clients like that as well, who just like competing, who like the sport, have no aspirations of being a pro. I've got no issue if you have a couple of cheap meals a week in the off-season. No, no issue whatsoever. Because that would be factored into your plan, therefore you're adherent because that's factored into your plan. The issue comes when someone says, I want to be the best, I want to be a pro, which again, I get a lot because I have that reputation. I want to be a best, I want to be a pro, I'm going to go and see Rob. I say, cool, listen, that has to then follow with your actions. Because if it doesn't follow in your actions, then you're not only selling yourself down the wrong pathway, you're selling me down the wrong pathway as well. So if I'm saying to you, right, this is what we need, and I need that complete adherence, and you can only have one reasonable cheat meal a week in the off-season, and you're going out and you're, you're going out and having whatever you want two or three times a week, then you're just not adhering to your, to your goal more than anything else. So in terms of like adherence levels, it, it all depends on someone's goal. But, you know, I, I am, again, somebody who will be a creature of habit. And I think also if you are habitually eating something off plan three or four times a week, then when you go to flick the switch in prep, that habit then is very, very hard to kick. It's really mm-hmm. hard to kick. But if you're just having one small meal on a Friday, that can maybe stay all the way till 10 weeks out. And then generally at 10 weeks out, people are like, shit, I'm in single figures now. Like I've got to keep, I've got to concentrate now. So, um, so yeah, adherence will always relate to the goal. And as long as someone's, someone is being adherent to the goal, then I'm, I'm happy and we can always then step back to those meals in for sure. Mm. Um, so flicking back to the beginning then of this conversation, you mentioned that you'd been coaching for 11 years, um, but you also said not done yet. Mm. So what does the future hold for Rob and Team LRF? So obviously we've got the girls now and also Will actually works for us as well. So there are now four coaches who work under LRF. So there's myself, Charlotte, Rosie, Laurie and Will. So five, including me. Um, and the, the girls who are, who are chasing the cards, so Charlotte, Laurie and Rosie, like I try and limit them to 50 clients maximum. Mm-hmm. And they're both on it. Like Laurie's just starting. She's only maybe six months in. But Shah and, um, and Rosie are, are, are good in terms of now, in terms of their depth and their knowledge. Um, but in reality, what, what I want to do is I really want to take a step back from coaching in the next few years and just see that team of coaches grow. So just see Shah, Rosie, Laurie, Will all get to 50 clients. That's mm-hmm. going to be my first goal is get them all to 50 clients and get them winning shows, which thankfully, that's what they have done this year. They have gone and they've won shows as coaches. And then really myself just have a crop of like 30 clients maybe 40 clients who who are at pro level elite level because there'll be more cards given out over the next few years so who are like at pro level or pushing for pro cards and then Shah, rosie and laurie could be specialists in like first time at prep could be specialists in like intermediate level athletes um and then again hopefully have a handful of uh, top athletes as well so the goal really for lrf in terms of a, a prep brand is to is to really get those guys and girls fully established in their own rights as top coaches. Um, and, and I think they are slowly moving. They're, they're nowhere near top coaches just yet, and they'll all admit that. Um, but they're slowly creeping their way up the ladder, slowly creeping their way up the ladder. And when someone does come who is prepped by Shah or Rosie, people say, you know what, they're wearing an LRF badge, they're probably going to be quite good, mm-hmm. even though they're maybe not prepped directly by Rob. So that's always, that's always the goal, is to see those guys and girls grow Why I almost take a step back over the next few years. And what would you kind of see yourself doing if, as and when you take that step back? Is it a retirement plan or? 
well, at the minute, we've got the second gym going, which is taking a lot of time. So we're building a second gym at the moment, which uh, for those who are in and around the area, 30th of October, Herm Bay. Herm Bay, yeah. Um, got to go check that out for sure. Check that out. It'll be wicked, man. It's epic. Um, so there, there, I, I do want to build another gym. Um, so I do want a third gym as well. And I probably want that to be in Essex, um, sort of where my where I grew up, where I sort of know more people. Um, and I do want to make a really, really awesome gym there as well. Um, and then just to manage my time between that, you know, Complete Strength is a brand which has grown incredibly over the last sort of 24 months. You've got that, you've got the two gyms, the mentoring is, is really busy as well at the minute. So sort of just trying to manage many different hats. Um, but if, if I take a step back from prep coaching, then I'll probably be able to manage the gym a little bit better, be able to manage the mentoring a little bit better. Because I'll be honest, otherwise I'll just get bored. Mm. I'll just get bored and I'll just end up doing stupid shit. And uh, yeah, just end up wasting money and probably, yeah. Buying cool toys instead. I don't have any, I'm, I'm the least materialistic person like. No, I know you are to be fair. We're complete strength all the time or LRF and yeah, I don't drive a nice car at the minute. I, yeah, I'm super unmaterialistic. Un, 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 un but you plumb your money back into your businesses and I think that's why you've done so well over the years. I mean, the gym speaks for itself. Um, but also being a complete strength athlete myself, even before I was, I remember when you had one isolate um, and I was like, this is actually really good. And being someone that couldn't have weight at the time, I was like, this is good. This is good price. I'm going to, yeah, this works for me. And then to see it from one product to now, not just a supplements brand, but what I consider to be a, a health brand. There are so many things that, we dig into with regards to female health um which a lot of other companies don't seem to even take any notice of mm. um and perhaps that comes from your knowledge of being uh, working with so many bikini girls and seeing those sorts of issues um one, one of my first mentors so one of my first ever mentors said to me don't be the richest man in the graveyard that, that's what they said they were like don't be the richest man in the graveyard because i used to accumulate money and then not spend it mm. And, and still be still be incredibly unmaterialistic. I don't know if that's the way to say it, or, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So, but not be materialistic. So I used to have money saved up, and then I used to be like, oh, I like looking at that figure. Like, I look, looking at that figure, it's nice. But then the guy was like, what happens if you die tomorrow? Mm. You know what I mean? What happens if you die tomorrow? You haven't built anything that can be handed over. You haven't built anything that could be given to somebody, could be sold, could be passed on, and so on and so forth. So that really struck home with me, like not to be the richest man in the graveyard, because no one cares. When you're mm -hmm. gone, no one cares. Like no one cares anyway, but no one cares even more when you're gone. So it was then a part of, right, well, actually, how can I give back to people? And yes, Complete Strength isn't a charity organization, but we, we don't make huge margins on everything. We, you know, we, we make yeah. products that will sell, at a good price, that are good quality, and we make a little bit of money on top. We don't make loads of money from it, but we try and be competitive so we're not, again, the richest man in the graveyard. I know how costly bodybuilding is, so I've tried to create products that are cost-effective. Mm -hmm. The gym membership until last month was a pound a day, was like 29 quid. Mm -hmm. And for what you get for 29 quid, it's, it's crazy. And again, the, the, the gym that we've built over in um, Home Bay is one pound 25 a day. Like, mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm never trying to be a millionaire with these things. I'm just trying to almost give a little bit back because I, I feel obliged because bodybuilding has given me so much. Bodybuilding has given me so much. It's given me the lifestyle that I want, the lifestyle I wish for. It's important for me then to put a little bit of money back into it and not try and become 
the richest person in fitness like that would be useless I think if I had that title mm. no I, I agree with that and I mean I'm very very fond of complete strength not only just as like the brand but as the little family that we've got as well mm. um and I completely agree like if anyone hasn't been and checked out the gym then do go over because it's got a great range of kit and um, Hearn Bay does look very, very cool as well, aesthetically as well as kit-wise. It looks very it's cool. A it's a fancy gym. It's that, that's, that's a fancy gym. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't prefer it. I prefer a little bit of dirt and grime myself. But, uh, but yeah, pe people do like that at the minute. They do like the nice, aesthetically-looking gyms, like with the chrome and the glass and stuff like that. Whereas Ashford, it's got graffiti on the walls. Like That, wouldn't, that really wouldn't sit in that new gym. Yeah. But like I, I, I prefer a little, like I, I won't be down there that much training because I like the, yeah. the dirt and the, the almost like hardcore esque feel of, of Ashford. Yeah, it's good to switch things up sometimes and try something new. But I, I know what you mean. I like an old school gym as well. Um, if it's too clean, is it? Are you really? Gonna... It's super clean at the minute because no, no one's in there. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I can imagine it's going to get a little bit dirty when people get down there. And Kent's not the the most nicest area in the world it's not bad but it's not the nicest area in the world so there'll still be a few scallywags in there i'm sure absolutely okay um so i think we've touched on a lot there i've got a couple more questions um some that i ask everyone that comes on the podcast but looking at kind of what you have done today and thinking about the job that you were doing before you started coaching do you think you'd still be on that path kind of pushing paper in an office or where do you think you'd be if you weren't coaching so when so I worked at the Olympics as well so I was privileged enough to work from 2009 at the London 2012 game so people will think well 2012 was 2012 why what were you doing in 2009 so in 2009 I was part of the building process of the 2012 games so I was there when it was like a derelict site and just loads of mud and Westfields wasn't even there at the time either. They were building Westfields at the same time as well. So I had a very, very hands-on job managing, not managing the build, not, not, not like that. I was never that high up. Mm -hmm. um, but, but just being somebody who was like a, an area manager within that and helped the construction and the, the manning of the game and stuff like that. And that was a great experience actually as well. And then from there, I went and then run a, a site called Public Health England, which was in Collindale. And then I ended up dueling the role up in Port and Down. So for those who don't know where Port and Down is, it's like sort of Salisbury. So it's sort of three hours away. So I was doing a lot of commuting at the time. Um, but I, I, I'm not somebody who got into fitness because I disliked my job. I loved my job. I loved what I did. I, I, I enjoyed managing people. It's very similar to coaching. Like coaching really is a management of people process. Mm. Uh, and I, I managed... Uh, 1,100 people down at Collindale, Port and Down, um, and that dual site. Um, I, I really liked it, man. Like, I really liked it. I really, really liked my job. And it was difficult for me to swap over to coaching because I had 50 clients, and I was like, I can't do both. And again, it wasn't a financial decision. It was a decision based on what will I enjoy more and where is my future more. Where I was at Public Health England, I was 20, 25, 26, and I was always, like, second in the chain. It would have taken me like 20 years because that guy who was above me had years ahead of him. It would have took me 20 years to get to the top of the chain. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait 20 years. I'm going to give it a go, get into online full-time coaching. Um, and that's when I made the switch. But yeah, no, I, I was more than happy in my, in my job at, at Public Health England. I loved my job at Public Health England. There was, it was, flexi there was flexibility. Um, there was uh, like autonomy to do almost what I needed to do and, and had control of budgets and so on and so forth. 
but yeah, I'm not somebody who got into coaching because I disliked my job. I just got into coaching because I had to pick and I couldn't do both. And again, like I said to you at the start, I, I never want to do anything where I'm not going to be the best. And I thought, you know, what? I could be, I could be good at this coaching. I could be one of the best. Mm. Uh, and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to put, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and I'm going to go all in. And that's when I went all in with coaching. So do you think you'd be on that same path, maybe chasing that guy that was still had long left in the job or kind of just doing the same thing at another firm? Or do you think you... Like, I, I, I would be either chasing his ass rapidly or moving on and trying to get something better because I'm, I'm, I'm very, very ever rarely content. Like, mm. like again, I, I, oh, somebody asked me this the other day. Someone was like, you still go to shows? I was like, yeah, man, like, I still go to shows. Like, I still love going to shows. You, you see me in the crowd. I'm one of the loudest people that you'll hear in the crowd. Like, I, I love pushing and, and winning and it, even if I wasn't in fitness like I would still be striving for the next and the next and the next and I don't have what what you call shiny coin syndrome shiny coin syndrome you know always trying to chase that new thing I don't have that my shiny coin is at the top of the mountain I'm trying to get to that mountain I'm not moving mountains I'm just trying to get to the top of my mountain I'm not looking at the next mountain and the next mountain yeah. I'm just trying to get to the top of my mountain so yeah even if I wasn't a, a prep coach I'd still be striving for more and more and more most definitely I think that's probably what's added to your success over the years because you're forever kind of wanting more, striving for more, again, not materialistically, but within your own goals, um, which obviously makes a good competitor, but also makes a good coach because you want that for your clients as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So last two questions, which I ask everyone on every series of the podcast is looking back over your entire life to date. Is there anything that you think if you could, you'd go back and do differently? Like I said earlier, just not be a dick. Like I, I was I was a dick for a, a majority, not the majority, actually maybe the majority. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. I was, no, I was. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think that. But yeah, maybe just not be a dick. Like, as I said, because I, I know, like looking back now, I did a lot of dickish things and, and I said a lot of dickish things to people. And it, it may be just, just, just that, you know what I mean? But again, like when... I'm never one to look back because I don't think you'd be where you are now if you maybe change the decisions. But again, like personality-wise, like I would definitely be a bit more within myself and not be not be rude. But as I said, like when I go to shows now, you see me. If I if if none of my competitors are on the stage, I just stand to the side. I stand to the side. I watch. I either stand with Jace or Shar or somebody who I'm with and just have a chat with them. Mm. Whereas before, as I said, I put myself out there too much and too much to the point where it, it pissed a lot of people off so yeah in, in all honesty I'd probably just uh just not be such a big okay and you are Rob Whitfield team LRF complete strength uh and of course the gym owner but how would you like to be remembered I'd just like to be remembered for somebody who helped people bring their best who brought the best out of people. Um, and I think I'm on that path with, with the, as I said, with the crop of athletes that I've got, I think I'm on that path, not just physically, but also emotionally, mentally. Um, I just want to be remembered as somebody who says, you know what, Rob helped me get to where I am today and where I'm at today, I'm very, very proud of. So yeah, just be that guy who helps people achieve their best and achieve their full potential, really. And you do that with your business mentoring as well as coaching is probably good to point out um not only do you help people reach a, a stage and physique goal and a competitive goal but also business goals um which i see is going very very well with jace as well yeah the, the, like again like the proper guys we've got on that is 
like real good at the minute. Like they're real hungry. And I know everyone's an online coach at the minute. And I know that's very, very cliche. And everyone, everyone loves it. And you know, I'm an online coach, two, only two spaces left, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. blah. Like everyone's got that. But like the crop of guys that we got at the minute are really interested in, in learning. And they're not like just interested in earning a quick buck. Like they're interested in it, they're bought in for the long haul. Um, which again, just like anything, competing, bodybuilding, life, you have relationships, you have to be in it for the long haul to actually see the success. And at the minute, the guys are really in it for the long haul and they want to be good coaches, top coaches, and they're not just in it to earn a little bit of money and then piss off. Mm. So that's good, yeah. Okay. Wow. Thank you very, very much for joining me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I forgot for like most of the the midsection of this that we were even recording um so got fully engrossed in the conversation um and if anyone isn't following you for any reason where can they find you uh if you use instagram uh, it's just team underscore lrf um that's probably the best place to get me on to be honest and if anyone wants to contact you about coaching how can they do so yeah, just, uh, again, through social media. Um, and I don't run my social media. So if you send me a message through social media, somebody on the team will get back to you. Um, and then, yeah, any questions or queries, they'll be happy to answer them for you. Okay, lovely. Well, thank you very much, Rob. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I think everyone will too. <laughs>